There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Cold Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash coldpopsha. felt good and feel like we're on quite simultaneous today all right hello everybody and welcome to the cold popshire podcast i am aj more like a drunk shut up don't tell her (laughs) that's right you the female listener the single we have we have i can think of at least three women off the top of my head who I know listen to the podcast. And it could be you. It's probably you if you're so, a yeah, woman. You, you, yeah. Um, there's, yeah, you, um, AJ is courting you and doesn't want you to know that he drinks. N- they're married. <laughs> um, this is the Cold Pop Show podcast. What are we doing this and, week? And that's Richard. Have you said your name? No, I was trying to keep it private. But I guess that's um <laughs> the the idea is like two hundred episodes in. You're like, I'll keep it no private. Pulling a Jeremy and not wanting to reveal my true name on pod. Oh, that's yeah, that's some behind the scenes. Jeremy for a long time didn't want his last name to be on the pod <laughs> for re- for reasons that are probably more <coughs> private than his last name being just saying his last name. Mm. Um, anyway. Look, today, this week, so what we've been doing, you should explain this. No, I'll explain it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I'm uh, I'm drinking a lukewarm beer to um try and catch up to AJ. Um, okay, I'm on my second cider of the night and I've had two glasses of wine. And you're not a big drinker, so that's quite a, that's quite a significant amount for you. Mm. So, um, we, for the, for the past, how long has it been? Six weeks, would you say? Uh, I don't know what the the time frame since is. we've been doing james bond right okay yeah something like that about, about six weeks so we've been doing james bond for a while the james bond series on film franchise four nights and because we usually let patreon members um suggest the next franchise we do they weren't able to do that because we were doing james bond and so uh we thought we would give them the opportunity to suggest um topics for off week episodes uh, which is the the episodes we do in between film franchise fortnights, and um, the, I I mean this with no uh, malice whatsoever. But we we quickly learned that a lot of the suggested ideas for off weeks were they're not bad ideas, but they were ideas that we didn't feel would cover an entire podcast. Yeah, some of them can be answered in a sentence. <laughs> Which is fine. It's not their job to come up with topics for episode. It's yeah, our and, and some of these I'm sure we could have extrapolated into a full podcast. Mm. I mean, we just, uh, for our 
patrons uh we just recorded a half hour episode about two four minute shorts yeah and it's it's gold yeah every second of it so we thought it'd be it'd be potentially better and somewhat funnier to kind of make this episode maybe like a hybrid of our old q a episodes or um it's sort of like a sequel to the the podcast we did last year when there was heaps of news in one week and we did that podcast that was like podcast ideas made out of the news of the week so what we're going to do is we've selected um not all but a lot of the questions that were uh posed or topics that were posed from the last few weeks and we're basically going to go through these ideas that people suggested for podcast episodes and sort of demonstrate why they can't be a full podcast episode by answering them all very quickly (laughs) um but before we get to that that's why i'm a little bit drunk tonight is because i thought maybe this episode needs a bit of spice because you thought uh our patrons don't deserve respect <laughs> yeah um before we get into it though i do want to say richard we've had some updates on um some things we said last week mm. uh we we we've been very um unclear about what the difference is between coronavirus <laughs> and covid19 yeah uh do you want to we we sort of have a, we've we've never had more of a response no, like so many people came out of the woodwork to correct us on this that i feel like we need to mention it now or forever well be... i think we we had it right last week that mm. uh coronavirus causes a disease called covid19 but COVID nineteen is coronavirus disease twenty nineteen. Yeah, and and but the the current strain of coronavirus going around is SARS two. It's literally yeah. called SARS two. Um, the DNC announces SARS two. Yeah, so, uh, secure. Um, what if SARS two gets delayed because of coronavirus syndrome? <laughs> two. Um, yeah, it's like SARS two con V. I think it is. Um, and that it. if you get that, it causes. COVID-19, which is a disease. Did you like my joke? Uh, I didn't hear it. I was too busy talking myself because I'm so wasted. (laughs) I said, uh, what if SARS-2 gets pushed back because of coronavirus? (laughs) Very nice. Very good. Uh, So, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to mention before we get into the episode. The other thing is go check out the podcast Kaiju Weekly, which I did a guest spot on talking about the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And also... I've made a video that's out on YouTube this week. It's, it's if I do say so myself, one of the best uh, videos we've ever made for the channel. It's all about American Pie and the the past and future of teen sex comedies. I'm very proud of it, and I want to get as many people watching it as possible. So please watch it and, and I share helped. it with your pals. Richard helped. I play um, I play devil's advocate when um when AJ sends me scripts for his video essays. I hmm. go, this is. You've made a tiny factual error here, and because that's all people are going to comment on. It's genuinely useful. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I could not do these things without Richard. He may not appear on screen, uh, but he is invaluable to my process <laughs> of, of writing these video essays. All right. So for the last six weeks, our patrons have been giving us ideas for episodes. As we said, none of these these ideas really fit the... the, the well, some of them do. They just, you know... Yeah. All right. So let's just get, what's our first question? Uh, okay. So Vincent Lara suggested we do a podcast on movies that were just shy of being good or great, whether mm. that be wrong leads, wrong director, wrong writer, or too much studio interference to keep it from reaching its potential. Right. I, I have very short answers for this question. Yeah. 
So there's two that come to mind. Uh, one is The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. Mm, interesting, yeah. Which I feel, had they given three more months to the writing process, would have justified a, a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. It's it's like... And it's with the, the best... budget of a of the... Mm, yeah, the, yeah, of course. The, the um, it's, it's Yeah, yeah. It's the best straight-to-DVD uh, Disney sequel, I think. Okay. And um, it's so close to being... Not necessarily as good as the the first one, but as on this operating on the same level as the first one. So that's that's. I feel like the Lion King two is real good, but not great, mm. or not. It's just shy of being good or great. Well, I, I've got an, um because I, I like Vincent. This is a great question, and I I really struggle because it's one of those ones that I know there are perfect answers out there, and maybe that's why I didn't really want to do it as like a whole week because it's like I know there's going to be things that slip my mind, and then for years I'm gonna. Be like, oh, I should have mentioned this on the podcast. But um, for a very recent example, something like, um, I think The Rise of Skywalker is an interesting one to look at because it's not, in terms of quality, it's not on anywhere near the cusp of being great. It's no. terrible. I hate it. Um, but like, um, it, there's there's decisions that could have been made early on that like, you, you pivot not even 90 degrees. You pivot a couple of degrees from the, the course they, they went on and you could have ended up with a great movie. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, Another example I had for this is something I've mentioned a few times on different podcasts, which is a little movie called World's Greatest Dad, which mm. is a movie that fascinates me, but I don't feel right saying it's a particularly good movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it's got a really good premise um, but it's just kind of sloppily made overall. Um, yeah, what do you, do you, would you agree? Is that a good example of a? I think that's a good example. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a movie I mentioned on uh, one of the Patreon suggested um, things when we did when I listed all the movies I saw last year. Um, that the movie Gifted mm. with Chris Evans. It's like there's nothing wrong with this, but I don't I don't know why it's not the greatest movie ever made you know it's just like Mm. um everything's good but nothing's great yeah and so i think that's probably why it's just shy of being great is that it's just missing the the x factor really i mean it's it's the perfect example of a a competent film missing an x factor Mm. all right so our next question our next suggested topic came from david draper on patreon he says movies that this is what he wanted us to a podcast on movies that are smarter than they're given credit for i'm thinking the last action hero as well as it's as well before it's time in terms of the meta aspects of action movies and demolition man has a lot going on that i think needs to be discussed uh, so I would say Starship Troopers is kind of the classic. Starship example Troopers of this. is the is the go to example of this. Yeah. Um, and it's and especially and um, maybe even Jarhead because they're two famous um movies that the sequels um didn't get it. Like they they don't get they're not in on the joke. They just say oh it's a it's a war movie or they say like oh yeah it's about fucking like Starship Troopers, but not not getting the fact that it's like lampooning these ideas yeah uh a more recent well actually not a more recent example but what is more recent than starship troopers actually um but it's in the world of tv um Mm. there's a show that might not actually be that ubiquitous with our um outside of australia new zealand uh listeners but there's an australian mockumentary series from like 2007 called summer heights high oh yeah 
which you you know what that is it's it's a um a comedian named chris lilly who dresses up as a bunch of different characters and it's about like the inner workings of this high school um and he plays a different character and it follows them i think that show like it, it was so popular deservedly so but it was popular because it was funny and not popular because it was like a master class in character acting which i think it is as well mm. like th- chris lilly has such a way to his performing that it's it's so it's so good and what's what's shocking about summer heights high is it's actually quite poignant in places but when people quote summer heights high they're quoting like the dick jokes and the the silly moments but it's actually quite yeah it's like um, your you know little britain kind of catchphrase mm, comedy um and that's that's i think what people see it as and that's by the time i got it because i got i watched it like a year after it was out kind of thing and i watched it and i was like this show isn't very funny but it was because literally every single joke (laughs) in the series had been repeated ad nauseum that i I, or every single joke in the show i'd heard already and i was sick of right but it's actually quite i feel like it it actually has uh, it's got a lot of commentary on the school system and underprivileged students and, and really important stuff that it takes very seriously however he's made a few shows since then with the same concept of him playing multiple characters and there just ends up to be being like a very much a a lack of thought gone into it yeah. his latest show called lunatics which is on netflix is um not very good <laughs> and uh it makes me think that maybe summer heights high was somewhat of a fluke um he has some good shows though you should check him out if you've never heard of him summer heights high is his best one but there's a great he, the one before it was called we can be heroes that's really funny too uh and jamae private school girl i think was his, his most recent and uh, he show. did jonah from tonga as well jonah from tonga is not very good though okay oh sorry he also did angry boys but i i don't know i'm conflicted on angry boys uh, in, do you have an answer for this? Movies that are smarter than the um, Well, so one example that I hear thrown around a lot, like Starship Troopers, is Spring Breakers. I've never seen it, but no. it's um, Harmony Corinne, I know, tends to uh, divide people because some mm. people see it as surface level and then some people will be like, oh, he's such a genius. And I think it's somewhere in between. <laughs> um, yeah. But my um, go-to example of this, it's kind of becoming uh, recognized now for how brilliant and intelligent it is but josie and the pussycats mm-hmm. um when that came out we, we've there's it was our first generic generic movie podcast on our patreon which if you yeah. um pledge ten dollars to our patreon uh you get an extra podcast every month patreon.com slash cold pop get on it yeah um so josie and the pussycats is like lampooning the idea of product placement and uh you know the music industry and and how it's all commercial and stuff like that but like every single shot in the film is laden with so much product placement and at the time uh people were like this is hypocritical um but it's 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 a satire they're they're making fun of it it's it's so very clearly a satire as well i'm so shocked by that that response to it when it's Mm. like how did this many people not get the joke? Yeah, p- people get the joke now, and I think it has mm. become it's become a little bit of a cult classic. Uh, but it, it's such a it's such a good movie, man. I love that movie, um, and the, the music's fantastic. Yeah. All right, what's our next one? All right, our next one is from Ben Close. Ben Close, sorry, um, who <laughs> wants us to cover the most influential memes of the century. 
Did yeah, you this, write anything for this? No, this I, I thought this was more your territory. I thought I thought you would think that too. So I I, I gave a little. I've written a little paragraph. <laughs> well, my first issue with this topic is century feels a, a bit, um, like why would it be century? Like memes have probably existed for less than a century. If you, if, especially internet memes, which have only existed for twenty years or so. Yeah, well, the me- the word meme. Is only roughly a century old, isn't it? No, nah, it'd be like the eighties. I think a meme was coined. Uh, so I, I've, I've pretty much was like, why century? And I think if we change it to like the decade, the past decade, I do have an answer. Nineteen seventy-six. Right there you go. Um, so the most influential memes of the decade, I would say, are Dat Boy, the the frog. Oh shit! Here he comes. Here comes Dat Boy. Is that the whole meme? Uh, yeah there's a frog on a on a unicycle oh shit what up was the next part yeah uh so uh i feel like that meme bridged the gap between normie memes and dank memes it was funny to both sides like it's just a funny picture but it's also like uh you know esoteric enough to be like i get it because i'm weird not because i just think it's a funny picture um so i think that that boy kind of has outlasted as being one of the most uh one a, 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 very much of like a, an icon of the memes of the 2010s um mm. i think kofefe donald trump's tweet is mm. is one of the most iconic just because it's insane that it happened like this has been a half decade ruled by a man who uh i've never seen a a person in control so clearly not know what they're doing on such a global scale than donald trump what an understatement. What a hot take that I'm delivering right now. And I think him tweeting a spelling mistake that stops halfway through a sentence is like a um, sign of the times. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, Jesus Christ. The president just tweeted. Uh, what was the full tweet? It was like... Despite the negative press, Kofefe. What ins- what world are we living in? What what dark timeline are we living in? So I think that, that became a symbol as well. Um but I think maybe the most influential meme of the century is label memes, which is just a picture with lab- with words, you know, so there'll be a, a, a knight facing off against a giant monster and the knight will be labelled um, the teacher and the monster will be labelled the autoplay function on YouTube, you know? So it's, it's <laughs> th- like that. that has, that's such a diverse template that it's everywhere now um and label memes are kind of just synonymous with the word meme like you don't go did you see that label meme you go did you see that meme uh in the same way that advice animals were synonymous with the word meme in the late 2000s so like Mm. awkward penguin and socially awesome penguin and um confession bear that you would just call that a meme you wouldn't call it an advice animal which is what Yeah, yeah no your meme called it yeah yeah um I don't know about um what was the exact wording influential mm. um memes of the century but um possibly if we're talking of the century not of the 21st century but of the last century um the the s the s yeah super they called it superman stop s. yeah I, I i i cannot stand when people call it a superman s i know because i don't it's, think it's, it's a, so sorry, easily Richard. verifiable like disprovable that it's not the superman s yeah <laughs> um and i i had arguments 
in like primary school with people they go oh it's super many it's like it's not what it looks like and they're like no no it is and you have no way to prove it at the time yeah. because this is before smartphones before you could just pull up a picture of superman um but yeah it, it's the wikipedia page for it is cool is called cool s so it's just known as Fuck the cool yeah. S. It is a cool um, S, Richard. It is. If you, like, <laughs> look, no one's disputing that it's a cool S. <laughs> I wonder, like, I, I, I'm not going to describe it any further, but comment if you don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, if, if, if I talk about the cool S that everyone drew, like, no one knows where it came from or like how it came about, but everyone and and like our parents' generation. Mm. Maybe not our parents. People slightly younger than us as parents' um, generation, like drew this in high school, mm. yeah, in a primary school. That like it dates like uh, at least the eighties, if not further. Yeah. Or and then on on that subject, you've also got something like Kilroy was here, which was a yeah, Kilroy was here. a meme from World War Two, I think, which was yeah. What how would you describe it? It's a little man peeking over a fence, like a drawing of a little man with a big nose. Yeah, it's like just to, it's like you draw a straight line, and then his nose is kind of dangling over, mm. and his arm, his hands are um just a little perched on the and like it was looking over. It was the, sort of a way of of saying, "Hey, I'm here to other soldiers in World War Two because they." draw yeah. a graffiti at everywhere so that you would see it and be like oh Kilroy was here yeah and um yeah yeah so that the cool S is just a an amazing thing for how something went global before the internet mm. like that that everyone just all over the world knew how to draw this cool S. yeah nice well our next question richard comes from jeremy who simply says do your all-time disney top five and perhaps if you have more time your top five pixar we said disney top 10 what did i say top five well top 10 disney animated top five top pixar. five pixar so how do we want to do this shall i go first and then you go you go first all right so my top 10 disney starting from 10 beauty and the beast is 10 nine is the hunchback of notre dame Eight is Wreck-It Ralph. Seven is Ralph Breaks the Internet. Six is Moana. Five is Lilo and Stitch. Four is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Three is Hercules, which is a nostalgic pick, and I acknowledge that in terms of quality, it's probably lesser than a lot of these other movies. Uh, Two is The Lion King, and one is Aladdin. Um, I feel... I did, it wasn't until this I did this list where I realized I didn't really have a Disney top ten, and I just yeah I really like Aladdin, The Lion King, and Hercules, and everything else I've <laughs> yeah convinced so, either way on. Uh, when we were messaging each other earlier today, you said, "Oh man, I so half-assed this," <laughs> and I said, "I I I doubt you half-assed it more than I did." Okay, um, and you- I I I completely half-assed this. So starting at number five, because that's as far as I went, um, Wreck-It Ralph, number four, Lilo and Stitch, number three, Emperor's New Groove. That was That's uh, like my 11. I couldn't in good conscience put it in front of Beauty and the Beast, but I do like it. And um, number two is The Lion King, number one is Aladdin. Mm. So we've got the same top two. Oh, um, that's cool. That's very cute. We've never really yeah. discussed that as a, as a couple of friends. I, 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 I thought we would both pick Aladdin. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, f- fucking... Um, six onwards, just pick it an order. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, the the rest of them are as good as each other. Like th- there's there's the Renaissance tier of you know Little Mermaid, um, Pocahontas, Tarzan, uh, Beauty and the Beast. To me, they all just you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What's your Pixar top five? Um. Okay, I cheated a little bit. 
Um, but my, t- my number five is The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Number four is Inside Out. Mm-hmm. Number three is Finding Nemo. Number two is Monsters, Inc. And number one is the Toy Story trilogy. Not the quadrilogy. Notice I said trilogy, not quadrilogy as well. Why is that? Uh, because I only counted the first three films. You don't like the fourth? So fl- Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. Are Since tied. when did you not like the fourth Toy Story? Uh, I, 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 it doesn't tie for number one. I like it more than... I think it's my second favourite Toy Story. After? Two. Which is my number five pick. My number four <laughs> pick is Finding Nemo. My number three pick is Wally. My number two pick is The Incredibles. And my number one pick is actually Inside Out. Like, and that, that warms my heart. That Wait, so you like Toy Story 4, 4 more than your number five, but it doesn't appear in the top four? No. No, wait. Never mind. What, I'm you the like drunk one. Listed. What are you talking about? No, never mind. <laughs> Cut that out, AJ. Cut that out. <laughs> Um, I, I love that Inside Out's my favourite Pixar film. It just inspires me that. Because like the main character's a girl and like I'm so woke and feminist. <laughs> what the hell are you talking <laughs> No, just that like a, a one of their later films can actually just be straight up be my favourite film of theirs. Um, inspires mm. me, especially after everyone was saying that they were going to go downhill. I think that's cool. Uh, what are their worst films? Well, their worst films are the just the Cars trilogy. Like I don't even uh, hate cars that much like cars i I really like cars one and three yeah um i their worst films for me like cars two is like whatever who cares it's obviously the worst one um good dinosaur um what was the other one i was gonna say finding dory Dory. finding dory is i can't believe the world thought finding dory was good (laughs) i don't think the good the good dinosaur is that bad i wouldn't say i dislike the good dinosaur yeah Next question, next suggested topic. Uh, Brianna McZant says, best modern day adaptation of a classic story. Uh, her examples she lists are like Hamlet, Hamlet and the Lion King, Emma and Clueless, Taming of the Shrew and 10 Things I Had About You, She's the Man and Twelfth Night, etc. My answer for this is I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. It's all I uh, wrote was I don't know. <laughs> okay, don't worry, mate. I've got us covered. Okay, okay here are my favorites. Um, Bridget Jones's Diary, which is a, a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Do you like um, these that movie? All... Huh? Do you like that movie? Yeah, I do. Okay. First Bridget Jones's Diary is great. Okay. Um, I the, so like they're not all like fucking Shakespearean, but they're all pre nineteenth twentieth uh, century. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, Apocalypse Now, a modern retelling of Heart of Darkness which is a novel from the 1800s, um, which got updated to be told in the Vietnam War, and then was updated again in Ad Astra. Um, oi, oi, drunk confession. I've never seen Apocalypse Now. Interesting, because you called it a 10 out of 10, not yeah. like only last week. I know, dude. I thought about it, as I said, I thought I'm lying. I'm being, I'm hiding the truth. Yeah, um, it's good. It's it is good. The um, don't watch the. I haven't seen the final cut that they released um, last year, but the Redux is like is a, is a good example of a pretentious director's cut where they are allowed to just chuck everything in. Twenty mm. twenties, um, the Invisible Man. I really enjoyed that, um, which is obviously H. G. Wells is the Invisible Man. Uh, the Empress New Groove, Empress New Clothes. Oh, yeah. I mean, kind of. More just the title than anything else. Um, Freaky Friday, the Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis film. Uh, and I'm not meaning that that's a remake of 
the the older film it's actually uh based on a novel called vice versa which came out in the 1800s which was a, a father and son vice versa uh muppet's christmas carol vice versa is a very good name for that story mm. muppet's christmas carol muppet's christmas carol is great uh and finally the first two seasons of sherlock right the tv show because after that it got real bad but um, but, um the, yeah. the Dark Knight Rises is a tale of two cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was another one I was going to say. Mm. Cool. All right. Uh, Jeremy and Vincent both asked very similar questions. I shouldn't say asked a question. They suggested these as topics. So Jeremy suggested the movies that awakened you. He says, we often talk about how, oh, that movie was my sexual awakening, which we do often talk about on this podcast. <laughs> but which movies awakened your appreciation for film, for art, for music, for certain causes, etc., etc.? Feel free to delete this if you don't feel like this film has, like a film has awakened you that much. And Vincent asked, uh, I would like to hear you guys talk about movies that awoke your love for the art form. That moment you went from enjoying movies to realizing it's an art that can speak to you in a certain way or make you something at a certain point in your life do you want to go first um okay so i have a few of these one big the the, the movie that Here made me go. want to pursue film was the dark knight when i saw it as i was uh, when i was 15 and you were like oh my god i'm literally the joker i'm literally the joker um i i just loved that movie so much and me and my friends loved it so much and we sort of started making movies as a hobby which is you know translated into mm. sort of what i do now um i have a very vulnerable answer for one of for jeremy's question for um what made you awaken to a certain cause i don't know if i want to say it richard um say it and i'll make fun of you will you tell me if it's if i'm just being too drunk and it's like you shouldn't release this okay actually no i can't it's a spoiler for something you haven't seen yet really it's a spoiler for the last of us left behind the expansion oh, game i'm pretty aware of what it what happens in it okay so spoilers for left behind which is the dlc for the last of us game oh, i'm gonna get way too vulnerable i'm too drunk for this i'll try to be vague as possible okay so i've i was raised a christian i was raised in church circles i'm not a christian anymore um and I've never really talked about it much on the podcast. I'm probably going to cut this out of the edit. I feel like this is too vulnerable. Um, but around the time, maybe a bit before the Left Behind DLC came out, um, my brother uh, came out as gay to our very Christian family. And they, you know, my family haven't disowned him or anything, but it was certainly a contentious issue. Uh, around the same time, a, um, a, a a teenager that I was mentoring came out to me as well as gay. And, and you were like, is it my fault? <laughs> and then um, I played The Last of Us Left Behind. Um, actually, no, first I, I asked out a lesbian and I knew she was a lesbian. I did that. I shouldn't be saying this on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but then I played The Last of Us Left Behind where it's revealed that um, Allie, the, the, one of the main characters, is into girls. <laughs> and I, it just really like... Turned you on? No, I didn't turn me... Shut up. Don't pervert my like vulnerable experience. <laughs> I, I want to say something. I, I, even though I've had some, had some weird beliefs when I was younger... They, I never, they never translated into especially malicious acts. Like I never, 
I never attacked anyone for being gay or anything. Yeah. I, and you're super woke and feminist now. So I'm super woke and feminist now, but at the time, I, if you'd asked me uh, what I thought of gay people, I probably would have skirted the question um, and tried to turn it into a broader subject about, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just about loving God. But I was well, so impacted. Thing, I, I feel like you never truly believed it. You were always like, you would skirt the question because you knew that the beliefs were... Yeah. Wrong. Thank you. That's a good way to put it. Um, and so, but the, the, all these things happening in my life and then, um, the thing with the last of us, which was a game I just cherished and finding this about like this thing about her character in the, in the expansion pack, I was so moved by it and I've been wanting to talk about this recently, but I didn't know if there was any right place to do it. It may be a podcast that 40 people listen to is going to (laughs) be. the place to do this um but i i genuinely feel that that character reveal in left behind is one of the big turning points in my life where i was able to see homosexuality as a beautiful thing and not as a sinful thing which as i slowly but surely left the church over the next couple of years um you know just became obvious that it's that it can be a beautiful thing but until then i would feel uncomfortable around any like queer cinema or anything and now you know i can watch brokeback mountain or call me by your name and be like these are fucking beautiful love stories or tragic love stories and and actually probably both their cases they they can be they're somewhat <laughs> tragic love stories um but it was the last of us left behind man that that really uh awakened my appreciation for a certain cause <laughs> is that okay nice. is that a good story uh it probably cut that out <laughs> <laughs> no that was very beautiful Thank um you. well i don't know i feel like my answers are dumb now that um my uh, i mean the the film that i remember liking like being like i'm a film boy was the first time i saw back to the future cool um that was the first time i think i like liked a film on more than just like a little kid level of like i want to watch it again i want to watch it again it was like wow like this is really clever and this is really well made right um and then i remember hot fuzz i remember seeing that that feel like it changed my world that it was like oh my god there isn't like a second like a frame or a, a syllable that's wasted in this entire film. I agree. Um, and that, that's what I and I still I still think Hot Fires is like one of the fucking tightest movies I've ever seen. It's, it's perfect. It's a perfect film, isn't it? Like so. yeah, it, it, like after the halfway point, every single line of dialogue is a callback, and it's mm. like and nothing's wasted. It's it's and that was when I, I that that probably woke my awoken awoke my love awakened of like cinema and you know really mm. um uh whiplash is another one i mean this is this was like obviously much later in life but that was like i feel like it really awoke something in me um but yeah uh other than that growing up yeah i don't know mm. those, right. are the, those are the ones my minds i remember of back to the future and hot fuzz so michael suggested we do a podcast on best villain slash antagonist my answer to this question was I just listed a bunch of villains that I like. Have you done oh, yeah. anything more in depth than that? Uh, I just listed what potentially my favorite villain in pop culture. Who's that? Um, Kilgrave, the purple man from season one of Jessica Jones. 
really, what's good play, about play by Cobra. David Tennant? Fuck, he's so good. It's mm. such a fucking good like. And apparently, like Fisk is better in Daredevil, but I only watched like the first four or five episodes of Daredevil, um, and you don't even meet Fisk until like quite a few episodes into it. But um, his whole gimmick is that so it's played by David Tennant, so he's like a charming Englishman, mm-hmm. um, and he's doing the same voice he did for Doctor Who. So like for a lot of people, it was like, oh my god. Um, but he's his power is that he um, uh, you, you, people have to do whatever he says, kind of thing um and so uh it's it's essentially a form of brainwashing uh and so the main character was kept uh prisoner by him um for for months just by having to obey every single command of his um and it's like a a, yeah it's, it's similar to like the invisible man it's kind of a social commentary on um you know like rape survivors and and things like that and um it's just it's such a good skin crawly performance and um the concept of the character is really cool as well that it's like it's all about this is such a cool power and of course he's going to use it for evil because this this would corrupt someone cool very cool um okay i'll just i'll just read out my list and you stop me when you want to talk about one of them how's that sound yeah all right the joker from the dark knight okay Uh, stop bane <laughs> no, don't. Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, Thanos oh, yeah. from the MCU, Killmonger from Black Panther, Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. Yeah, yeah, he's one I thought about. Yeah, yeah, Lorn Malvo and VM Varga from Fargo, oh, season yeah. one Lorne and Malvo, season three. Man. I like. I actually, I think I like VM Varga more than Lorn Malvo. I just, I love David Lewis as the character. Every yeah. line he says is so rich, and it's. I think what's good about that character is he's fun to listen to because mm. his accent's so crazy and he's got the, the he says the most like insanely evil things and it's mm. just it's so I rewatched season three recently he has a great line in it which is that's sort of like his famous line from the show which is the problem is not that there is evil in the world it's that there is good if everyone was evil no one would care which is such a like pure villainous mm ideal right because it's so like it's it's so throwing throwing any kind of humanity away there's a part in it where he's trying to cheer up the the, one of the main characters ewan mcgregor's character and he just he does the crooked man poem he just recites it but in his voice it's it's just oh it's so horrible he's just like (laughs) it was a crooked man who walked a crooked mile he found a crooked cat (laughs) it's so like (laughs) it's so he's so gross and i love that um, I would say any villain in Breaking Bad is probably a pretty good mm. play for some of the coolest villains and antagonists. Um, Kylo Ren, I think, is a real cool... Like, if if the Star Wars sequels got anything right, um, that kind of... You know, if they've got one thing that's in the Hall of Fame of Star Wars, I feel like the main villain is such a well-rounded and cool character, yeah. mainly due to Adam Driver. But still, um, Syndrome from The Incredibles, I think, is probably yeah, Pixar's no. best villain um yeah. not that pixar have that big of a uh, slate of villains because i watched a video by um by nerdstalgic that talked about how pixar villains are always real ancillary to the story because the villain is actually the like internal struggle of the protagonists a lot of the time mm. like randall is an obstacle in monsters inc but it's actually about like becoming a better person or monster you know like it's actually 
it's he, he's more an obstacle than like the f- driving force for a lot of the villains but that being said i think syndrome is a very cool idea for a villain in a mm. superhero movie that he's like a, a jilted fan turned um villain because he wants to become a superhero um scar hades are probably my favorite disney renaissance villains yeah hades is like the best um fucking disney villain he doesn't have a song yeah i wish he had a song hey eh? that'd be so uh, cool. although scar's song is probably my favorite disney song i agree i agree be prepared Gollum, i think is a very complex yeah. character uh joffrey and ramsey from game of thrones were so uh kind of that kind of delicious evilness that you really want in certain villains it's like mm. the it's like the opposite appeal of a sympathetic villain it's like with mm. thanos or killmonger it's like i kind of get you i kind of understand why you believe i may not agree but i completely understand your motivation with joffrey and ramsey like joffrey is scary because he's a 13 year old you know what mm. i mean he's a he's a monkey with a machine gun and that's what's scary about him and when joffrey <laughs> he's a monkey with a typewriter <laughs> he could joffrey, write anything when joffrey leaves the show you're like well there goes the the big bad of the series and but ramsey almost immediately replaces him and ramsey is like worse because he's not a monkey with a machine gun he's a snake he's a calculated um a calculated like evil who's just as cruel as joffrey and so they did a really good job i think of of one-upping what seemed like an insurmountable villain um, when Joffrey left and Ramsay came in, mm. uh, Nurse Nurse Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's yeah, Nest. Yeah, she's great. I looked up um, female villains because I wanted to be equal. Because um, you wanted to be woke and feminist. Yeah, and I think Nurse Ratched is a great example because you could easily watch that film and not even register that she's the villain. It's only yeah, really man. when you think about it that you're like, oh my god, she's she's pure evil. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, the most prestigious entry <laughs> on this list of the villains. Well, and on Chigurh, Cohen Brothers. Have you seen there's like a famous photo of her? I think it was in Playboy of her like topless on the set of um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because she hated playing that character so much. And the, like the fact that, you know, she played it so well that everyone in the, on the set resented her. And so she like was like, I just need to do something free and wild and me. And so she like ripped her top off. And um, I think it was used in like Playboy or something like that, but it's like quite a famous photo of her. Interesting. Um, Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter, I think is is another like deliciously evil villain. Um, Just because she, she is kind of the archetype of um, a boomer now almost like that, that, that archetype you have on your head when you're frustrated at the older generations, um, not being responsible and not, helping you out and not taking you seriously that's just dolores umbridge you know yeah well and, and also the thing is that like um uh everyone knows someone like had a teacher that was some degree of that mm, yeah. um and it's like she obviously takes it to the extreme and so that makes it really like it's uh, you, you know there's something so uh like personal and repressed about your hatred for her um yeah, yeah and yeah. Th- there's a similar character to that and um in Fleabag, um, mm-hmm. the TV series, um, Olivia Coleman's character is her um, is Fleabag's godmother, mm. and she's like so. It's a similar kind of thing of like someone could watch that and not understand why you don't like her because she never does anything wrong. Well, she does, she does later on, but when you first meet her, it's like oh, she's just a lovely woman, but you just fucking hate her, and it's like it's yeah. so hard to describe why, but it's like. 
Um, and, and I know people like that in real life that when I've said something about them rubs me the wrong way and they go, but they're the loveliest person. And you go, mm. no, but it's, it's so fake. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and they're a climate change denier or something. <laughs> you know, there's something. Yeah, not even that. It's just they're, like. They're a Voldemort oh. denier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and the last one I had written down was Biff Tannen for no deep reason. He's just a fun performance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Since when did you become the physical type? That's Griff. Um, <laughs> uh, who's the best like villain out of Biff, Griff, and Mad Dog? Oh, part of me wants to say Mad Dog, even though it's not him. It's got to be Biff. He's just in it more. He's just... He's the ringly. He's the, like... Yeah. yeah. Know, this is from Back to the Future, if you don't know what we're You can about. tell he's having a lot of fun with... Uh, Griffin Mad Dog though mm, Yeah that's true What's our next Patreon suggestion for an episode Okay what franchise Movie to movie changes the genre Slash tone the most and which does it best So this is from Luke, uh, Luke. I wrote Evil Dead Is the one I like uh, yeah, Army of Darkness Syndrome is kind of a thing Where it's like dramatic change in tone From sequel to sequel Yeah which is also a modern retelling Of a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Yeah. Uh, I also write Pierce Brosnan's Bond films. <laughs> last <laughs> yeah. week. You can go from GoldenEye to Die Another Day in four movies. And Gremlins. I know it's only two movies, but the the degree to yeah. which Gremlins 2 is different from Gremlins 1 is just astonishing. <laughs> Remember when we did Gremlins on the podcast and I like seemingly didn't notice the change in, <laughs> in tone? <laughs> Uh, Luke also says, fuck it. How about what tragedy would you try prevent if you were a time traveling dog? What, how would that ripple out into present day? And what do you, would you, what would you wish you could do if you weren't a dog? Um, this was because there was a thing on Twitter about a, a children's book series about a time traveling dog who goes back to like nine 11 and the Titanic. So he was talking about that. What oh, would, see, I didn't so, realize that that was a reference. If you were a time-traveling dog, like, see, have I still, answer me this, like, you can set the parameters for this. Am I still, have I been a human? Do I retain all the memories I, I, I have I think now? that's the thing, is that you have to, like, because if you're a dog, it's like, well, you're not going to do anything, you know? Mm. Um, you're not you're not capable of recognizing these things. However, if I, uh, because I, I think it's a more interesting thing, say you traveled back in time and your brain was put into a dog's body, how yeah, would okay. you and you, so you can't speak um how would you stop tragedies so i probably would quite selfishly just try to go back and try prevent every bad thing that's ever happened to me like i'd mm. go back and stop myself from you know asking out that girl or uh try to get a job that i didn't that i ended up hating like i'd i'd probably yeah. do that <laughs> i just I, i'd go and Go back in time and be my own pet because I never had a pet. And then, like, Aww. you know, I, I could have, um, you know, growing up would have been would have been different. I would have had a would have had a friend. Um, no, I think I grew up pretty well adjusted for never having had a pet. But um, you know, it would be it would be help with the ladies <laughs> having a having a cute little dog. <laughs> my mind immediately went to a scene in the movie of that story where you as a dog. Uh, sleeping in the corner of the room where you younger you as a human is is like masturbating and just how you would feel about that as a dog imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah. That's the scene I immediately It's a weird movie. Um, but uh, It's not a good movie. It's a bad movie. So I've always thought that like with with preventing tragedies and things like that, I think um the responsibility's too great. I've always thought that if I could go back in time, I just wouldn't put that onus on me. Yeah, I mean, so, something like uh 9/11 for instance mm. or the um like a, a lot of these things it's like I feel like the incident it's important to history that it still happened but i would try and minimize the maybe death toll. yeah yeah like 9 like, like like imagine calling in a bomb threat the into the calling in a bomb threat to the world trade center an hour before the plane hit so there's no one in the buildings but then all the developments we've had i mean i get like there's like a war and stuff like that which is obviously not good but um, I don't know. I, I I do wonder how different the world would be. It, <laughs> no, 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 I I, th- I think it would be easier to. <laughs> I also think it would be easier to evacuate the building than it would be to stop the plane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a funny thing to say, like so casually. Like, I do sometimes wonder what the world would be like if nine eleven didn't happen. <laughs> like everyone wonders that but <laughs> like it's a podcast topic uh kate <laughs> asks kate says i'd love to hear you guys talk about what you think are the, are the great new zealand films or quintessential new zealand films and why so i'm presuming she's meaning kate is a new zealander as well she's a friend of ours um i'm presuming she's meaning outside of your pjs and your tikers like the if it's not directed <laughs> by tiker or peter jackson what are some new zealand films you would recommend yeah me um oh there's the yeah. quiet earth which is like one of our very mm. um like the few forays into like genre films yeah yeah um yeah i'd recommend the quiet earth uh and i'd recommend in my father's den both are very mm. fascinating movies i don't know if i'd say i like either of them not in the same way i like a movie that has like a compelling story and stuff. I like them in the sense that there's just strange, enigmatic kind of pieces. Um, yeah. In my father's den is fucking brutal. Have you seen it? Uh, no. It is that movie leaves you feeling hollow. <laughs> so it's very interesting. I'd recommend that one if you are listening to this and wanting to see some yeah. um, classic in terms Kiwi of like- cinema. Uh, quintessential there's things like once for warriors uh goodbye pork so once for warriors is like this harrowing tale about domestic abuse uh Lee goodbye pork pie. directed it of die yeah. another day uh goodbye pork pie is like a road movie mm-hmm. um then uh utu is like a, a maori mm. western uh, mm. directed by a white man i need to watch that i've got it on dvd i haven't watched it yet uh sioni's wedding do you think that's good uh, it, it, I mean, it's fine. It's it's it, it feels like a there's a certain type of of New a certain part of New Zealand that it you mm. know yeah, yeah um uh, there's a series called uh, the Lord of the Rings, 
which is quite popular. Richard. All right. Um, and then, I, I mean, we talk, we said, um, apart from your PJs and your Tigers, but like, um, Hunt for the Water People and like, um, Brain Dead, those, and Bad Taste, like the early PJ film, Peter Jackson. Brain Dead is Peter Jackson. I think it's the second film. Brain Dead is legitimately one of the only like B movies I've seen, like intentional B movies. Like it's like a splatter film that's actually incredibly compelling and a wonderful story. Like Brain Dead is just a good movie, despite mm. it also being fun. You know, I really like Brain Dead. It's called Dead Alive in America, I think. That's right, yeah. Uh, ben Close suggested this for a topic. Uh, what movie characters would have the best podcast? So what I think what he's, if you break down what he's wanting to get, it's which movie characters would have the best dynamic in a, mm. so I started to think of great character dynamics. I thought of uh, Nicholas Angel and Danny Butterman from Hot Fuzz. That'd be a fun mm. podcast. Uh, and the other one yeah. I wrote was Mulder and Scully from the X-Files. That'd be an interesting podcast of like Mulder and Scully going through old cases. Yeah, like yeah. De- yeah, I mean, I guess because you talk about like, yeah, they're, they're, they'd have some of the most interesting shit to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of these dynamics, I guess you'd find on TV more than movies as well. Yeah. Um, like uh, Troy and Arbed from Community. Yeah. Um, and, and they're like, you know, I'm surprised there isn't an episode where they start a podcast because like... Um, yeah, who else? I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I thought about this one. I was trying to think of movie characters. I mean, there's there's plenty that's like just think of the movie characters. They have the most interesting lives. Yeah. Ben from Lost. Ben and yeah. Hurley. Ben and yeah. Hurley doing a podcast together. That'd be cool. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Christopher Brown asked um, the most delicious looking in film meal. I mean, there's a whole YouTube channel binging with Babish if you want this answered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say the best, like, food movie is Chef. That movie just makes you yeah, hungry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, it's a boring answer, but when they pull out that fucking yeah. brisket, oh my God. <laughs> so good. We made brisket the other night. It was real good. Wow. Yeah, what you do is you get a little dinner roll, you pop some brisket and some coleslaw in there, you pour some hot sauce on a plate, you just dip the whole thing in the in the puddle on your plate, just eat that it's oh my god it's like my favorite food it's, <laughs> it's so delicious uh brent asked uh aj reviews the movies that richard reviewed in the last episode whether he's seen them or not um i wrote ha ha to my note for this one because <laughs> otherwise we'd be here for a long um do you want me to give you like three movies i'll pick at random and you have to tell me <laughs> you have to review them okay okay let me just find my list okay give uh give me a number F- 14 okay what do you think of the last laugh it's racist it's okay. straight up racist uh next one next number yeah um 72 oh let, let's go above 100 come on okay 172 uh what did you think of the angry birds movie um I think it's probably going to go down as one of the most important films in cinema. Nice, yeah. I, yeah, I probably agree. Um, and your last number? 351. Uh, there it goes to 270. Oh, shit. 251. 
Um, Dracula versus Frankenstein. Um, it's a it's a hot movie, Richard. It's a sexy movie. Like I I don't want to be revealing too much about my personal taste, but you know I won't lie. It's a sexy movie. Yeah, sweet, cool. There you That's go. That. All right, Christopher Brown says top 10 non-Bond theme songs. You said you'd take care of this one, so give us your top 10 movie theme songs that aren't from James Bond. Okay, so here's my criteria. Uh, The film can't be a musical. Um, I have included some that are like films about music, but they're not strictly musicals. But some of them I'll, I'll, when we get to them, I'll say, I don't know if this counts kind of thing. Um... I've got a few honourable mentions. Um, Up Where We Belong by Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warnes from An Officer and a Gentleman. It's a great, great love theme. Um, up where we belong. That's the one. Uh, I Just Called to Say I Love You by Stevie Wonder, which is from a film called The Woman in Red. That's just a nice song. Okay. Um, I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly from Space Jam. It's a good song that's better than the film it's in. However, he does lose points. For being a pedophile. Yeah, it's a it's it's a good song. It's better than the film it's in, and it's better than the artist who sang it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I believe I can fly from Space Jam. Did you not know that? And is is Space Jam's theme song not "Come On and Slam"? That's a good uh, that's a good argument to make. I mean, like, I think films can have <laughs> more than one um, as well. Like, can they? Like James- I don't know, man. Okay. Well, no, I. Uh, yeah, so I'm going. Um, my, my criteria uh, for this as well was that like songs that were written for or like you know you know released for the film mm. kind of thing. So um, and also um, it, it's the film's kind of a musical, kind of about music. But Purple Rain by Prince from Purple Rain is like one of the greatest songs ever written. So I felt I should give that a shout out. Um, I've never. I've actually got so I've, I've listed eleven. And this is in a vague order, but, you know, this is definitely... Oh, actually, sorry. Honorable mention to the Spider-Man trilogy as well. Hero by Chad Kroger, featuring Josie Scott of Saliva, uh, Vindicated by Dashboard Confessional, and Signal Fire by Snow Patrol are all fucking amazing songs um, and could have been on this mm-hmm. list. So number 11 is I See Fire, Ed Sheeran from The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Yes. Yes, Richard. Number 10, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship from Mannequin. Okay. Mannequin. Um, yeah. No, yeah, that's a good song. Uh, Men in Black by Will Smith from Men in Black. It does nod your head, make its list from Men in Black 2. It didn't, but I do love that song. Um, also, Lose <laughs> yeah. Yourself didn't quite make the list, even though it probably should have. Um, <laughs> Lose Yourself didn't make the list My yeah. god, the other ones must be amazing That's probably one of the most iconic ones there is Okay, so here's one that may or may not count Because um, it's from a film It's not a musical, but it's about music And this is very clearly like the main song of it. But Falling Slowly by Glenn Hansard And Marketa Erglova From Once mm. the, um, Yeah, John that is Carnival. a grey area Yeah Yeah um, uh, Cut to the Feeling by Carly Rae Jepsen from a film called Ballerina, uh, which is called Leap in the United States. Um, the film's real bad, but man, what a fucking banger that song is. That's another one that's like, um, that's uh, a bit iffy because I think it was actually written before the movie, but she held it back because it felt 
cinematic and so she and so it was released with on the on that and became the okay the theme song to that um kiss from a rose by seal from batman forever that one's just funny because it's like no, it was a great song but how was that from batman forever you know <laughs> yeah so here's a uh i got uh, in position five i've got two songs tied um one is king of wishful thinking by go west and i fucking love this song this is mine and jess's song um and but i i couldn't determine whether or not it was written specifically for pretty women or not but the other there was another song uh that was definitely written for it i must have been loved by roxette which i also love and so if we can't include king of wishful thinking i'm happy to put it must have been love in its place um all right now we're up to the top ones um do you want to guess what movies they're from (laughs) so um uh, I number actually four, would have no idea, to be honest. Number with you. four is um, by Ray Parker Jr. The song is called Ghostbusters. What oh. do you think the film is? Is it from Ghostbusters 2? <sighs> no, it's from Ghostbusters. Sorry. Thanks for playing. Um, I mean, Ghostbusters is what an iconic song. I mean, yeah. Um, and, like, cause, and I haven't just counted these on, it's not entirely personal preference. There's a lot of like things that have gone into it that are, you know, counting uh how iconic they are or or if they had to be in the rules a little bit to include them uh but top three uh number two and three are, are completely interchangeable for me um i'm gonna put number three don't you forget about me by simple minds which is from oh the breakfast club yes uh what yeah, i love this song uh number two saint elmo's fire by john parr which is from St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah, it is. That's a great song. That that song transcends the movie so much for me. Where's the song go? I don't know of another song. It's also it's like St. Elmo's Fire parentheses Man in Motion. Um, look it up. Okay. Um, and number one, the greatest non-Bond movie theme song of all time is Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Oh wow, interesting choice. And what's that from? It's from Rocky 2? Rocky 3. Rocky 3. Eye of the Tiger is such a fucking good song. I, I'm not into Eye of the Tiger. It reminds me of the beep test. Uh, well, I mean, hey, that's that's your own personal demons. Um, <laughs> to me, it's just a fucking amazing song that it, it only exists because they couldn't afford the rights to Another One Bites the Dust. And they were like, oh, fuck, just find some shitty band. We'll get them to write a song for the movie. And... Um, they ended up creating the greatest movie theme of all time. Mm. My favorite movie non-Bond theme songs is from Hugh Grant and um, yeah, man. Uh, uh, what's her name? Drew Barrymore and yeah. music and lyrics. There's two great songs of that. One's called Pop Goes My Heart and one's called Way Back Into Love. And they are both very good songs for very different reasons but i love those songs and i like i and, i don't um, actually love that movie i was about to say and i love that movie i don't but the songs are great um and i thought you might say um that song from that movie you were like which one you know the one you have to tell me the adam levine <laughs> oh um begin again yeah that's not the name of the song I, I don't well what would you say is the, is Begin Again not a musical yeah that's why I didn't include it but I know I you'd like Begin it. Again you would the, the theme song for Begin Again would be Lost Stars but I prefer that's it, um, Lost Stars I prefer Loved You Like a Fool that's my favourite song in that movie 
Okay. All right. Mm. Let's continue. Okay, so Brent asks, gave us this topic for a a podcast. Replace the best actor or actress in their winning role at the Oscars with someone who lost to them. I went down a fucking rabbit hole on this one, dude. I, I struggle with this one, so I'm happy to hear what you've got. It's a good subject, but I think I have a very funny answer for it. Um so shall I just shall I just rattle off the answers I had? Yeah, go for it. There's a plot twist halfway through. You're going to think you know where it's going, and then you're going to be like, oh, shit. All right. So here's what okay. I've written. <clears throat> Adam Driver as the Joker. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Antonio Banderas as the Joker. Jonathan Price as the Joker. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio as the Joker. But then, <laughs> Josh Brolin as the Joker. Robert Downey Jr. as the Joker, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the Joker, and Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon as the Joker. So if you if you didn't pick up on on the joke, er, uh, two two different actors have won an Oscar for playing the Joker, and I looked at who their competing actors were and just was like, what if they played the Joker? And some of these are like legitimately interesting Uh casting choices. Okay, have you got to the plot twist yet? That was the plot twist was I changed to Heath Ledger halfway through. Uh, okay. Alright, okay. I I I I I thought that's where it was going. <laughs> well I thought you were gonna say okay. as someone other than the Joker, but um Never. Okay. Alright, no, okay. I, I, only I guess we're just on we're just Joker. so on the same wavelength that you can't trick yeah. me. Yeah, listeners found it funny. You're just too good for it. Well, our listeners are morons. I th- <laughs> Clearly by the suggestions. they've. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I think, okay, so out of these, I legitimately think Adam Driver, Leonardo DiCaprio, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Michael Shannon would make fascinating jokers. Mm. Yeah, I um, they'd all be very different. I The one I had was um, that, that if we're going like ones that actually could have made sense, uh, Daniel mm. Day Lewis as Winston Churchill. Mm. That's cool. That's really cool. But yeah, and then I was like, oh, fucking uh, Daniel Kaluuya as Winston Churchill. Yeah. It's 2020. We can have a black Winston Churchill. <laughs> All right. All right. Alexander McDonald says, what makes a bad movie enjoyable, e.g., why do we like the room but hate cats? Now, I think this is a bad example. Uh, yeah, I do too. So this is this is a video essay topic, not a podcast topic. This feels mm. like something you extrapolate in a video essay. But um, I the room and cats are part of the same category, Alexander. Hundred like percent. Yeah, are, I, I think cats is ironically enjoyable. Yeah, and as is the room. What you really need to do is why do we like the room but hate Doolittle? Why do we like cats but hate Doolittle? Um, Doolittle being the worst movie I've seen. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, like I think there's there's those two types of bad. There's bad, boring bad, and there's bad, fun bad. Well, that, that's the thing is that like if um, what makes a bad movie enjoyable, I think, is when there's something to point at that you can make fun of. Um, when a film is just yeah. you don't enjoy any of it, that's bad. But when you hate it, that's good. 
um, because at least you're still feeling yeah. something. The movie's still um, eliciting an emotion out of you. Uh, and I think that's yeah. the most important thing. And I think that's the distinction. Yeah. So Dante asks the final question of the episode, which is what films slash era of, of film do you think COVID-19 situation will spawn? And what impact do you realistically think COVID-19 will have on the film industry? This is funny because this was asked like just over a month ago. And it was like, oh, shit, these films are getting delayed because of coronavirus. <laughs> Give me a break. And yeah. now it's like, yeah, it, it is going to fuck it, fuck over the film industry. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I think in terms of subject matter of post-COVID-19 films, it'll go from pretty blatant to relatively abstract. I think we'll get films that are literally about pandemics, maybe some that are literally about COVID-19. Um, mm. There's a missing person ha- happening case happening in New Zealand right now during the nationwide lockdown, and I can't help but I feel like that'd be an interesting yeah crime film about like a missing persons case during a lock a pandemic lockdown yeah well i wonder if like i i feel like i i don't necessarily i'm not able to uh, point out now what it will be but i feel like um there'll be some kind of uh preying on the fear so it'll be like like horror movies will be about like um uh body snatches where they can be anyone and so you you can't trust anyone or anything mm. um rather than like yeah. uh something like um zombies that are super visible immediately um yeah and because i th- i think that's that's the fear that the that covid-19 is preying is deliberately preying on is that <laughs> it's it's invisible and and we can't um and and, and again you can't trust anyone yeah, and it'll be, it's, so that's a more abstract example of the kind of fears that'll be played on. Um, and I agree. I think yeah, you'll get things like that. I think we'll also get isolation, abandonment, loneliness movies. Mm. I think there are going to be a lot more movies, not just due to COVID nineteen, um, but due to the state of the world. A lot more movies that are about like the existential dread as we come to grips with the, the world dying. First Reformed is a great example of a movie mm. that's about climate change in a very scary and existential way. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Reddit headlines where it's, oh, this director wrote this film while in, in isolation. Um, that's going <laughs> yeah. to be a fun movie fact for the next, like, three years. Um, but one one thing that's interesting as well that um, I, I saw, like, a, a tweet about was that um, it's kind of... Uh, it feels like it's COVID nineteen is gonna like reset our um our like relationship with physicality and intimacy um, because three four months mm. ago everyone was eating ass and now it's like hand holding something you save for like people that you really trust and are really intimate with and so I wonder how much that all translate to after the, the 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 lockdown and the pandemic is over that um physicality has like a different weight to it now and like like, like being yeah. physical touch has um i mean unless unless we overcompensate and there'll be like mainstream films about eating ass on the first date <laughs> yeah eating ass will become even more taboo than it already is no it'll become less taboo it'll be it'll be like they'll talk about it all in the news the president will talk uh, about it although i should warn um covid19 this is i'm not speaking from experience or anything but um covid19 can be 
uh, transmitted through uh, fecal particles. So you can, you could catch um, COVID nineteen from eating the ass of someone. I can't even eat shit anymore without catching. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This is the end. That's all of the suggestions. We will be back to our regularly scheduled programming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for listening. If you want to be part of the Patreon, as we've been getting all these topics from, head over to www.patreon.com slash and also find us on Facebook and YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Um, and get involved. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you disagree with us on any of these things. Uh, Richard, it's been a pleasure. AJ, it's been a privilege. Good night. Bye, everybody. And, And good luck. what a stinker of an episode um <laughs> hey they can't all be winners can they um, i reckon that was the best episode we've ever done just quietly interesting interesting yeah. okay yeah i mean i guess you would say that with um with what happened oh we, we don't need to go into it um <laughs> anyway this is the post credit scene thank you for sticking around uh here's where we answer a question sent in by uh, a patron and so this is this is a new thing you get if you join our patron i say new we've been doing this for what like 10 15 weeks now um, yeah if you if you donate five dollars or more at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about or do in this post-credit sequence i say that because everyone's just asked us a question you don't have to ask a question you can say play this do that as long as it you know we can do it in a, t- in a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, a couple of minutes. Um, so today's post-credit scene comes to us from Isaac. And he says, Hi guys, still loving your work. Been listening since Beethoven. My girlfriend and I followed along with the high school musical series Marvel, Bring It On, and Fast and Furious in 2019. That's so cool. Mm. Uh, I wonder we if they're like doing, ask- been doing James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Potentially, let us know, Isaac. Isaac. Uh, He says, we would like to ask, what was the film franchise you were expecting to hate but were surprised to like and why? Um, There's, we've been been asked similar questions to this, but um, the one that has the the biggest discrepancy between uh, my anticipated enjoyment of it and my actual enjoyment of it would be Scream. Um, Agreed. Because that was just going into it like, Yep, just another kind of generic horror movie. And then the first Scream is one of my favorite movies of all time now. And that, that's the yeah. only like new favorite movie I've discovered through the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah but I mean, there's there's other ones that, uh, you, you know, even like the real, the, the ones that I have enjoyed, um, I've sort of, I've always anticipated like something like Freddy vs. Jason, those horror franchises. Um even they have their moments but i'm always like it's cool to have all this information yeah exactly um i don't know i I don't think the exact situation that isaac and his girlfriend are describing has happened like even with scream i wasn't expecting to hate scream yeah 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 uh but i ended up loving it um but i would i will say that one thing I one one franchise that always stays in my mind. This was during this was rewatching it for the podcast. Was the Austin Powers trilogy? I think I just sort of expected that to be 
um, you know, one of the many, oh, couldn't make this anymore kind of sex comedies that we'd covered over and over again. Like, I thought there was going to be some really dodgy, um, offensive jokes in it that that, uh, wouldn't fly in today's um, sort of climate. You know, a lot of punching down jokes or making fun of um, gay people or or women or something like that, which you see abundant in other movies Uh. that are about a stone's throw away from what austin powers is uh but i whether or not you think they're they're good movies or they're funny isn't really what i'm saying and i do but that's not really my point like those movies are actually real solid with their morals i think which is strange you wouldn't think they were and maybe they get away with it because they're parodying um something like roger moore's james bond which is uh you know does all these problematic things um without realizing they're problematic there's there's a self-awareness and a and a um a compassion to austin powers that you don't see in other sexy comedies of that era where like like for example i know we, we talked about this on the episode but like in the first one elizabeth hurley gets drunk and tries to sleep with austin and he doesn't want to because she's she's drunk and he's not and it's yeah. like shit man that's pretty cool um so and there's yeah they're, they're not really that problematic they're only i guess if no they're not at all i would say the the only way they're problematic is is if you find sex jokes immature and that's not problem yeah um the only other there's there's a few specific films but um the franchise i probably most had this with would be the evil dead as well actually Mm. that because i i famously uh the remake i refused to ever watch that in my life but i quite enjoy i don't know if i'd watch it again but it's quite good imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.